the book in the Bible that really like spoke to us was Job because this is somebody it was somebody that had never did anything wrong and he had everything taken away from him. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Jesus has given me the peace to know that is true and proclaim that to people that will listen. Well, thank you for tuning in today and uh, joining us for another episode of Encounters with God. I have a very special guest all the way from Israel, my friend Elijah Hirsch. And Elijah, I know you're going to be blessed by hearing his testimony and um, how he came to about to be living in Israel, playing professional basketball there. So, Elijah, I just appreciate you, and uh, thank you for taking time out and coming on the show, brother. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, let's just kind of start at the beginning, Elijah. Uh, what type of uh, upbringing did you have? Were you raised in a Christian environment, home, or? Yeah, I was. Uh, I have a big family, 12 brothers and sisters. How many? Uh, 12 brothers and sisters, eight boys and nine, uh, four girls, sorry, eight boys and four girls. There's nine boys total. So I have 12 siblings. My parents had 13 kids. So I understand your your grandparents. Tell me a little bit about your grandparents. They fled Germany under Hitler. So my grandparents on my dad's side are full-blood Jewish. Um, they got out a little bit before Hitler, but like they kind of sensed what was going on. I think it was uh, maybe the late 20s or early 30s. Very strong Jewish faith. They came into uh, New York and then eventually migrated down to Miami. And they did not want anything to do with Christians at all. My uh, grandparents actually got disowned from their from their parents because they became Christian. They had converted to Christianity, and they even like they're like, we don't even want anything to do with you again. And they even told my great uncle, so my grandparents' brother and sister, that if you talk to them, if you ha if you communicate with them, you're disowned too. So they were like making sure there was no connection at all. So it was a big sacrifice for them to go from having a, a big family support system to really just being on their own when they were still jewish um she would go to the grocery store and the cashier at the store would give her these these tapes to listen to and it was some christian music like Christ christian speakers like it was kind of just a variety of uh faith-based stuff that was kind of pointing her pointing her to christianity and that's <laughs> i talked to her a couple of years ago and that was the first time i ever heard her story and through her influence, that it influenced your parents, your grandmother. Yep. And so my my dad, I think, found his faith when he was in about eleventh grade, and throughout his life, instilled it into his family too. And so that's how we end up being raised like that. And and on the other side, my mom is not Jewish, so I'm half. My mom is not Jewish, and she was raised by a Baptist preacher. And I think that goes a little bit further back. Mm -hmm. uh, so she had a more foundation of faith than. Uh, my uh, paternal grandparents so growing up with uh with the 12 siblings at what age did you get into basketball i started dribbling a ball probably when i was i don't know two or three but it was always in the driveway i didn't play like high level basketball until ninth grade when i played in high school um but it was mostly just in the driveway playing with my brother and so it didn't really start until ninth grade and even in ninth grade i, I hardly played really at all I've told this story a few times, but I think it's still kind of funny is uh, we didn't have shoes a lot of times in the summer. And so our basketball court was out in the driveway and our feet were would get so hot that you had to back like 15, 20 feet up into the grass and you had to shoot from there. So you got to play for about five minutes where your feet were burning and then you had to back all the way up. 
And that's where I, I legitimately contribute my ability to score and shoot from long distance from my feet burning and having to stand in the grass and shoot from the back. And so I think that is one of the best ways to be good at anything is start from the, the bottom and, and really work your way up. And that's what I did with me and my brother every day playing outside, working on our different uh, aspects of the game. And if I hadn't had that, I don't think I would have would be here where I am today. So you were homeschooled, so there probably wasn't a basketball team being homeschooled that you could even hook up with or join. Is that there was not until ninth grade, and it it was it's called a co-op. So we went to school two days a week, but it was like other homeschool families kind of like joined this one school. It wasn't a completely organized system. We practiced maybe a couple times a week and had one maybe two games a week. It was very like laid back, especially when you compare it to what some of my peers were going through like playing year round, playing four or five games a week, practicing every day. So it was very laid back. It was, I grabbed my graduating class is 40, 40 students. So it was not like a big range of talent to pick from. So it was, it was pretty uh, low level. You went to a, a Christian school, then university. Uh, tell us a little bit about that transition. So I got zero offers to go play college basketball. Um, but there was a kid on my team. His name is Porter Wilbanks. His grandpa used to be the president of a school in North Georgia called Ryan Hart. And he was like, he came up to, he loved me. And he's a great guy. He came up to me one day. He's like, you're so good. You should think about playing in college. And I was like, okay, just waiting for the opportunity. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. And I think the next week he told me to go up to Ryan Hart. And he had talked to the athletic director. And they were going to get me to play basically open gym, just play five on five with their team, with the, with the team. And so I was up there and nobody would pass me the ball. I wasn't very athletic back then. I, I really couldn't shoot. I, I didn't have the confidence to shoot back then. I, I could have, if I had tried, but I never really tried. Nobody would pass me the ball. So I stopped running. So I was like standing at the three point line. They finally, like he, one guy got trapped. He had to kick it back out to me and I just jacked it up. It was like a swish. And they're like, Oh, okay. So the next play, they gave it back to me, did it again, swish. And like for the next hour, I just hired, and at the end of the day, the coach came up to me and offered me a scholarship to play. Um, I played two years at Ryan Hart University, and then I transferred to Barry University or Barry College in uh, Northwest uh, Georgia. Uh, beautiful campus, beautiful school, and I played two years there. Won a conference championship, um, had a great year, great two years, and got connected to playing pro in Israel. How did that work out? You you got drafted there. So because I am. Uh, have a Jewish heritage, I was able to get, I'm a dual citizen in Israel. Um, it's called Aliyah. It's the law of return. So I could, I got, got my passport. I'm a full citizen, all that. Um, I actually thought it was a scam. My, my now agent messaged me on Facebook and he was like, Hey, do you want to play pro basketball? And I had gotten messages like that before. And they're like, okay, just send us $200. And we'll get you a, a visa to Slovakia or something like that. And so I didn't, I was just kind of like dragging him along. I wasn't really pretending. I wasn't really anticipating anything to go like, come from it um and he was talking to me and he like told me about Aaliyah and I like he's like I want you to look it up but can I call you and normally I don't want to talk to you on the phone so I was like sure so he called me talked to me for about an hour hour and a half and explained the whole process sent me other players videos so, like I could see what my competition would be how it's a legitimate league he sent me some people's numbers and so it, it turned out to be real and it literally just fell in my lap and I literally felt pulled in that direction ever since that was actually the end of my sophomore year in college. Um, so I still had two more years and I was prepared to move to Israel for those two years. I, was, I knew it was coming at the end of my college. I was going to go play in Israel and it worked out perfectly. 
there was a reason it fell in my lap the way it did. I know that you you met your wife in university. Is your wife, is she there in Israel with you now? Yeah, so I did two years. Well, we did two years long distance um, when I was here my first two years. We got married right after my second season. We um, I almost missed my wedding because I was waiting uh, in Israel. We lost in the playoffs, and I was getting ready to fly home, and Gaza started bombing. And so they shut down the airport. And so the season ended, and I think I had 10 days before my wedding. And I was sitting in my apartment for like six, seven days, and nobody would fly out. And then eventually the El Al is the Israeli airline, and it's all flown by uh, ex-Israeli Air Force pilots. And they didn't care about the bombs. Right. So I had to go buy my own ticket to get out of there, fly home. I didn't know. The bombs weren't scary. It was not sounds scarier than it is. It wasn't that big of a deal, but I got home four, four or five days before my wedding and we got married after not seeing each other for 293 days, I think. Hmm. Um, but now thankfully she's with, here with me. She's been here since we got married. We haven't, like I'm, I'm not in Israel without her ever. How did y'all meet? So she played basketball for the women's team at Barry. We rode the bus together to games. It was a long road trips and I sat at the front on the right side and she sat at the front on the left side and long bus ride. We just started, ended up talking. We became friends through that. And uh, the, the fact that we had to do long distance was one of the best things for our relationship because we had to completely focus on, okay, is it really worth struggling through long distance? Are we going to take this serious? If we're not going to take it serious, let's just end it. But it ended up being exactly what we both wanted and it worked out great. She, she had a similar upbringing. Is that, isn't that correct? She went to a public school in high school, but a uh, very strong Christian family. But yeah, then she played basketball and went to, ended up at Barry too. So life in Israel, though, uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, the as far as the Jewish people and I guess the church you attend there. Uh... There's two services, services, one in Hebrew, one in English. We go to the English one, and most of it is comprised of uh, missionaries or service men and women like uh, military members or ambassadors and it's really all over the world too there's south africans there's uh, australians there's germans americans obviously like all over the world so it's super cool to see uh, all those people together it's one of the most diverse church communities i've ever been a part of so it's it is an interesting perspective and it's it's taught and and the gospel is shared in a way that you don't get in America because it's from a perspective. The pastor is actually a Jewish Christian, but it's shared in perspective of the Jews have the Old Testament, but they're missing the New Testament. And it is really connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament and sharing how they're, you can't have one without the other. And it's really a great way to share Christianity with Jew, Jewish people too. One of the first things we notice is it's very interesting to like, what are the problems in America? First, what are the problems in a Jewish state? as far as how people see Christianity. And so connecting how you can be Jewish, and actually there's nothing more Jewish than being Christian. And these are the reasons why. We're not required to eat kosher anymore. This is why we the Shabbat is on Sunday. The, the, the day of rest is on Sunday and not on Saturday anymore. And these are the rules that why the rules don't apply anymore. Like it explains how the... Jewish faith is, is connected to the Christian faith and vice versa, because I think a lot of people are disconnected from that reality, but it is truth. There was the Old Testament before the New Testament, and you cannot have one without the other.
and that's an important distinction that they make here. It's a whole different way of learning. So I really enjoy that aspect of teaching. My second year, there was a very religious and outspoken Orthodox Jew on my team, which is rare. Normally, the Orthodox Jews are not really playing basketball. But I was able to talk to him deeply about it. And it was like, everything he's saying is like, yes, I agree with that. Yes, I agree with that. And like, we would continue, continue. And then he had at that point where he had to stop because he didn't have the forgiveness aspect of Christianity. Because the reality is that Jesus came and died for our sins. And all we have to do is is believe in him, repent of our sins, ask for forgiveness, and you're saved. And the Jews stop before that. And their whole religion is based on a, a set of rules that you follow to be perfect. And I'm going to tell you, the, the rules that they require, they're impossible. Like, you can't eat in today's world without breaking the kosher rules. There's just, there's so many lists of rules that you're going to mess up eventually. And they don't really have the forgiveness that Jesus gives us. And I try to explain that to him. And I, I, I have no idea if I got through to him or not. But I really enjoyed the conversation with him and discussion discussion with him a lot. But that was a big revelation to me is like, they're just missing Jesus. And that's, it's not just Jesus, but it's that peace that connects everything and gives us hope for the future and gives, gave me hope after Josiah and, and a, a desire to keep, keep moving forward. It was because of Jesus. And talking about Josiah, one of the toughest parts is nobody knows how you feel. And one of the biggest comforts is that God really took his son and gave him to us to die for us. I would never do that for any, I would never give Josiah up for anybody. I'm sorry, but he's never, but God willingly did that for us. And all you have to do is accept that gift. I mean, that hope is above all. When you first went to Israel, I know people that they, they've gone on uh, trips with pastors or with their church groups or whatever. And they just were like, man, this is just, this is the bomb, Ken. You know, uh, I'm seeing all these biblical sites that I've read about since I've been a child. And, and, uh, was that, was that your similar experience with you? Uh, it is, it is the first year. It was super cool going to see the sites. And then the second time we did it, I was like, okay, I seen the sites. But now let's do something else. And then now, like, when people come and visit, I love showing them around and, and bragging about going to Jerusalem and all that stuff. But it's kind of a revelation that God is everywhere. And there's a lot of places here that are deemed holy sites that I don't think really has any biblical foundation. And I think it's important to remember there's nothing exceptionally holy about the Sea of Galilee or... I don't know. There's every different aspect of the Mount, uh, the Valley of Jezebel Valley. Like things happen to there. Yes, it's a historically accurate places, but it's you, a lot of people can get really can get really slippery slope of idolizing things. You feel safe there? I know we had a little delay here in the uh, the show because of the, the power went out. You know, it's funny. Is I think Israel. I, a poll came out a couple weeks ago. Israel is ranked the fifth safest country in the world. Not the fifth least dangerous, the fifth safest. Mm -hmm. And my mother-in-law is a great woman, but she's a worrier. worrier. And when she came and visited, she was like, it's unbelievable how relaxed it is. When I tell you there's little kids playing in the park without their parents, they're all over the place all day. There's 
there's young preteens out until two o'clock in the morning on holiday nights, like just enjoying life, walking around the neighborhood. There's just not dangers that you find in American cities. There are other dangers for sure, but the security and the safety here is is at a level that's not even it's it's so much higher than even Georgia. And Georgia is a safe state. But when I go back to Georgia, I'm like seeing the people kind of hanging around the gas station or whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, it's a little bit sketchy. And I don't have that here at all. You attribute that to uh, the security there? The level at which they go to, like, I don't even completely understand how they capture some of the cameras and stuff that they do. But they have cameras and networks everywhere, like every angle of the street, a little bit of invasion of privacy. But if any country was to do it. Israel has the right to protect itself. So that part makes sense to me. I know that your uh, fiance at the time or, or, or Mary at the time, when you met her, I think she really had something, a real faith that you saw in her that was vibrant and alive. But can you look back at a time and say, oh, this is ha- this is the day or was it just kind of a gradual thing? And Yeah. So I'll talk about my wife for a second. First, when I first met her, and this was like the main attraction that I had to her from the beginning is she talked about her relationship with God as a legitimate personal relationship. And I've heard that my entire life having a personal relationship, but very, very, very rarely have I seen someone emulate it so perfectly, so accurately as she has. I wouldn't say it's perfect because it's in all reality, it's not perfect, but she had that spark she had that calmness and distrust that I was that I didn't necessarily have at the time um and I have worked on it in the past for sure but fast forward almost a year and a half August 11th uh I was they had taken her back to do emergency c-section and I was sitting there and uh waiting and praying waiting and praying and about I don't know, 12.55 before the doctors had told me anything, I kind of had, I knew um, <clears throat> that Josiah had died. I knew that it, it was not, he wasn't going to make it, even though nobody had told me anything. And uh, as I knew that, I was very inclined, and, and you don't know me very well, but if you did, you would know that I did not sing. Uh, I was very inclined to sing Amazing Grace, and it was kind of a profound peace that came over me and that I I don't like saying it was something like a, a fire or a passion or because I think that can isolate people that that don't necessarily feel that but instead it was the opposite God didn't come in the tornado or the fire it came in the still small voice and that's what I felt it was just in the time of the worst thing in my life that ever happened, and one of the worst things that can ever happen to anybody, I was calm and I was, I was at peace, and that was like the talking about encounters with God. That was the the best description of an of an encounter with God I've ever had in my life. Um, I hope it's not the last, but it may be the last time I feel something so powerful. And so comforting, but that was in such a hard time of our life. The book in the Bible that really like spoke to us was Job, because this is somebody it was somebody that had never did anything wrong, and he had everything taken away from him. And he said, "The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." And 
Jesus has given me the peace to know that is true and proclaim that to people that will listen. And I am very grateful for that. And so you want to point to a specific moment? It was August 11th at 11th at 11.56 a.m. On your basketball team, let's talk about some of your basketball team here. <laughs> um, the makeup of, of your team, uh, what is, what's the, the makeup of the team look like? So you can, in my, in the league that I am, it's legal to meet. Um, you can have two Americans on the team <laughs> and everybody else has to be Israeli. I'm technically Israeli. I'm not, te- I don't count as an American. We have a Israeli coach. I want to say maybe 14 Israeli players and two Americans. I don't quite count as an American and I don't quite fit in with the Israelis. So I'm kind of like in the no man's land of, of the team and trying to find my spot somewhere. Your teammates, are they following the, the Jewish traditions? And Last year, we had an Orthodox uh, Jew on our team. And so we had to, at, on Saturdays, we, our practices had to be over by like two hours before sunset. And our practices on Saturday night, we couldn't have until two hours after sunset. Or Depending on the time of year, it was a little bit different. Um, and this year, we don't have any religious players, but there are our assistant coaches, um, religious and one thing that I found is interesting in the Jewish faith is that there is so much variety in what they constitute as being religious. Like there's people that won't push an elevator button on Shabbat because that constitutes as work. There's people that on the other end of it and they literally observe nothing at all. And there's everybody in the middle, anywhere in the middle of that too. But one thing that I think is super cool about this whole country is that on Saturday on Shabbat, it's family day. There's There are some cars driving around, there, but mostly the parks are full. People are hanging out with their families. Like people go to the beach, people go to the pool. And it's really just a complete family day across the country. Um, and I think that is super cool. And even though we don't observe Shabbat in America or as Christians, I think that the day of rest on Sunday as for Christians is so important in life and every aspect of it and resting from work, but also getting great family time too. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. So I know that you're outspoken about your faith. How do the other players uh, feel about you being a Christian? Are they supportive? Are they questioning? Most of the time they will never bring it up with me. Um, If they do, it's in a very lighthearted, we're not going to talk about it serious way. And it's more of like a way just to tease me, which I don't mind at all. But it's like, they're like, you're not even a real Jew. You're a Christian. You can't be both. And it's more of like throwing teasing at me than anything. It's it's very difficult to have deep conversations with a lot of them because it's not, it's something that they don't want to get into. Does your family, uh, do they come out to the games or come visit you? We've had visitors every year except my second year, COVID didn't allow anybody in the country. That was a tough year because... Israel was one of the first countries just to completely lock down. So my, my very, very first season, the season ended about two months early. So I went home the off season. Like I didn't come back until late August. We landed in August. I think it was 2021 and we had to quarantine for two weeks and then we would have like a month of practices. And then all of a sudden there'd be a wave of COVID and we'd go back into our apartment for two weeks. And mentally, man, that was tough because not only are you away from family, you're completely isolated from everybody else. You don't have anybody to really talk to. You can only go to the grocery store. Uh, I 
broke the rules pretty consistently. I rode my bike all over the town because I didn't have a car. All I had was a bike. But that was a mentally tough year to get through because just isolation. Humans aren't supposed to be isolated like that. So that was tough. So we play normally on a normal year, we play one game a week for like 36 weeks, maybe 40 weeks, like nine, 10 months out of the year. That year we would play, we play like every other month. And so we had to cram all those games in that one month and then take almost a month off because of COVID. So the season wasn't any longer, but we still had to cram play the same amount of games. So they really crammed them in there. So it was an intense year on a lot of different levels. But other than that, we've had several visitors every year. And that's been great. Like I love showing them around the country. Mary's family was here for Christmas. My parents were here in October. And then I've had some of my brothers come out too. So I know that uh, I know y'all had a little bit of a a tragedy here not too long ago. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. I love talking about it. It might sound a little weird, but I do. Um, six months ago, February 11th was the six month mark. Uh, Josiah was our son. He died at birth. Completely unexpected. Completely like, un- like he was the healthiest baby you could possibly want for nine months he was it was a perfect pregnancy mary was never even really sick no complications for a variety of reasons he didn't make it out alive and we have been dealing with that for the last six plus months has altered every aspect of our life changed every perspective the way we live life in ways that i I could talk about for six hours ten hours whatever it is but one of the biggest things is that from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, you're thinking about how your life would be different because that would be our first child. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited to play basketball with it with the son because I have so much free time. Like I would really be able to experience having a baby at home that a lot of parents, a lot of dads especially, don't get experience because they're working. But it did not end up working out that way. But in so many ways, God says God has blessed us and show showed us Himself through Josiah and impacted our lives for sure, but so many more other lives that we don't even know about yet. Maybe ne- maybe we'll never know about, but you can't look at the big, bigger picture because you don't know what that is, but you do have to have faith that the bigger picture is so much more important than you. And I am looking forward to that day where I get to meet Josiah and, and God and maybe get a little bit glimpse of, wow, this was so much better than I could have expected. And you put me through this if we cannot believe that God has something significant out of this and something meaningful come out of this, I mean, I just have to believe that God has used that, like you're saying, to, to reach so many people. And the name Josiah, what does the name Josiah mean? Uh, Josiah means God heals and protects. And uh, we didn't know that when we picked the name. My My brother's name is Josiah, and it kind of was like we both kind of came together and we're like, oh, Josiah. And we're like, okay. And we never, like, it was never a second thought. And after he died, it died. It really felt like God picked that name for us as a reminder. And he really has been healing and protecting us every day since. Well, I appreciate you reaching out to me because it means a lot to be able to share my story. There's so many people that would just completely avoid the topic, but that's what we think about all day, every day. It's not, it's a sensitive topic, but it's also one of the most, we, it's an opportunity to speak about our child. We, want that opportunity we want to share and that's what i said at his funeral if you've got questions ask we want to answer them we want to we want to talk about how 
he had tri-colored hair. It went from blonde to orange to, to brown all in one. And we want to talk about his blue eyes and his giant hands and giant feet. That's that's something we, we want to share with people. So the opportunity that you've given me now is not undervalued. I, I appreciate it.